Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Total Bases Podcast Express Show. I am your host, Austin Spiro. Thank you so much for joining joining me for season, or not season, season one, episode six of the new Total Bases Express Show. Um, I'm so glad you all are able to join me today, whether you are listening on uh, YouTube, whether you're listening on Spotify or any of our other um platforms that we stream on or you're listening to us on the facebook on facebook um in the best baseball facebook group that there is the baseball life facebook group go ahead and check it out if you have not checked it out yet uh great knowledgeable fans and uh, you'll get to talk to people like me and our other co-hosts uh felipe and sean and some of our other admins and hosts of other podcasts we've got vince we've got henry we've got a new podcast um that you know he's not he's he's flying it under his own flag but melvin and his baseball cosmos podcast he started a new podcast so you know real exciting times here at the baseball life facebook group we got a lot of knowledgeable fans a lot of people trying to start podcasts so a lot of fun um let's get going so today um we are going to be talking about something that's been in the conversation probably for the last month, maybe a couple of weeks here, uh, especially now with some of the bigger nights that Aaron Judge has had. We're going to be talking about triple crown seasons tonight. So there have been 17 hitting or 17 offensive triple crowns hit in the history of the MLB, dating back all the way from 1878, Paul Hines. To Miguel, to the most recent Miguel Cabrera's 2012 Triple Crown season. What I decided to do was we're going to have a two-part series here on Triple Crown seasons. I'm going to be by myself tonight. I'm flying solo tonight. We are going to be talking about the fantasy value, so the fantasy baseball value of each Triple Crown season. And then um, probably next week or in the next couple of weeks here, I'm going to have a a guest baseball life, uh, Kevin, uh, baseball life member. Kevin is going to be uh, on with me and we are going to be talking about uh, the triple crown seasons from a historical perspective, more about the MVP races and things like that. Since we have this big debate over whether Shohei Otani or uh, Aaron judge should be MVP. But, but, but for tonight, we're going to talk about the past, we're going to talk about the past triple crown seasons and their uh, overall fantasy value. So yes, I'm going to show you another uh, spreadsheet today, another more colorful spreadsheet. Uh, I'm going to go through each different sc- uh, scoring category and sh- just show you a breakdown of what each triple crown season looked like and who did better, who did worse. And overall who had the better triple crown season. Now, before you start blasting me in the comments and you start blasting me all over the place on every every place that we stream or in the comments on YouTube or whatever, and you're like, huh, these guys, you know, they won the Triple Crown, so they're all really good seasons. I'm not saying any of these seasons are bad. I just thought that this exercise would be fun and that we're going to just see if you were to put all these Triple Crown seasons into one fantasy baseball season, who would have the better season fantasy-wise? Right. So I'm going to look at overall total points and then I'm going to look at total roto points as well, because those are those are different. Right. So uh, let's get going. I'm going to share my screen and show you my big, beautiful uh, spreadsheet we got going on here. And so as you can see here, we have every uh, every triple crown season from Paul Hines in 1878 
to Miguel Cabrera's 2012 season. So we've got Lou Gehrig's 1934 season, Roger Hornsby's 1922 season, and his 1925 season. He won the Triple Crown twice. You have Tip O'Neill's 1887 season, Ted Williams' 1942 season, Jimmy Fox's 1933 season, Mickey Mantle, Ted Williams, Nat, uh, Nat Lajoie. You've got Ty Cobb, Joe Medwick, Frank Robinson, Yaz, Miggy, Chuck Klein, Heine Zimmerman, and Paul Hines, all in this, um, all in this spreadsheet here. And I put them all on the gauntlet, and we're just gonna see who had the better fantasy season in terms of triple crown, right? So the way that I broke it down is I broke it down by uh the points league that I'm in. Um, one of the points, the Mardi Gras league that I'm in with Felipe and a couple of Matt Bushnell and a couple other uh uh baseball life members here. So the categories that I looked at were singles, doubles, triples, walks, caught stealing, uh, hit by pitches, home runs, strikeouts, runs, RBIs, and stolen bases. Okay, so I decided to look at all those, and all those have a specific point total. Okay, and I'm not going to go over the point total or I'll be here for forever because this is the express show. We're going to go a little quicker tonight. So I'm going to go through each uh, statistical category here, and I'm going to show you who had the best. And then I'm going to compare since um, Paul Goldschmidt has kind of struggled a little bit uh, in recent times, and Aaron Judge is kind of the focus right now in terms of the Triple Crown because he's first in every offensive category under the sun. Uh, we're going to focus a little bit more on Aaron Judge. Okay, and where would he stack up in all of this and all of this stuff as well? So um, I'm going to sort, let me sort the singles. So the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to look at the singles here. So we have uh, the most singles is Ty Cobb's uh, 1909 season with 164 singles. Uh, top five is Ty Cobb, Nap Lajway. Roger Hornsby's 1922 season, Chuck Klein in 1933, and then a tie between Tip O'Neill and Joe Medwick in 1887 and 1937, respectively. Now, where would, uh, where would, where would um, Aaron Judge, I can't believe I forgot his name. Where would Aaron Judge lie here? Well, Aaron Judge has 82 singles so far this year is 82. So that means he would fall just below Frank Robinson. Now, I, I should probably tell you this too. Paul Hines in 1878. I had to make some adjustments there when it came to Paul Hines in 1878 because they really only had, uh, they really only had, they had 62 games that year. So that's not, you know, indicative of, it's not really fair to Paul Hines when the rest of these guys are playing 150, 160 games and he's playing 62. So I decided that that I would mathematically draw out his uh, his his statistics here and what would it look like if um, if he was having a uh, 162 game season? What would it look like? So in terms of that, Paul Hines would have 185 singles. In six in 162 games, um, I'm trying to pull it up here. Joe, uh, not Joe, Aaron Judge. I don't know why I cannot think of his name at the moment. Aaron Judge, I believe I'm checking it really quickly. Would have 82 singles, um, if it would come up. 
He does. He has 82 singles this year. That means in uh, when you factor in Paul Hines in the 162-game schedule, uh, he would be last. He would have the least singles in a triple in a triple crown season. Looking at doubles here, now when we go to doubles, we see that the top five is Joe Medwick, Tip O'Neill, Nat Lajoie, Roger Hornsby's 1922 season, and Chuck Klein in 1933, ranging from as high as 56 all the way down to 22, Mickey Mantle's 1956 season. Paul Hines would have 34. Um, he would have, Aaron Judge would have 25. So just second to last. Again, the second fewest. This and it blew my mind kind of how dominant of a season Aaron Judge is having, and already in these two offensive categories, in the in these two statistics here, he's already down at the bottom. It's crazy. Um, triples, not much. I mean, Aaron Judge doesn't have any triples, and you can see here that it ranges from 19 at Tip O'Neill to zero with Miguel Cabrera. Um, then you have walks. This one I was really interested in. I was really interested to see um, how walks have evolved over the years. 162 walks from Ted, from Ted Williams in his 1947 Triple Crown season. And then, and just five years earlier, 1942, he pulled off 145 in his Triple Crown season. Uh, then you have Mickey Mantle at 112, Lou Gehrig at 109, and Jimmy Fox at 96. Um 93, Aaron Judge would have 93. So he's actually right after Jimmy Fox, right before Carl Yastrzemski. So just outside the top five. Uh, caught stealing, I mean, it ranges from 12 in Ro with Roger Hornsby in 1922 to zero. But all these guys, these are pretty much when like the stolen base wasn't a thing, right? The stolen base really wasn't a thing at the time. Um, and in this sense, um, Aaron Judge only has three caught stealing. So he's one. he's down at the bottom. Uh, hit by pitches. I was really interested to see this one as well. Um, hit by pitches. You have 13 hit by pitches from Nat Blagiway and then 10 from Frank Robinson, and it falls off from there. And um, it's not on here. Interesting. Um, either way, Aaron Judge, uh, I would imagine, would kind of be closer to down here. Um, and then you have home runs. I was, uh, and I wanted to see this one as well. I thought I was going to see more current players. We're seeing Mickey Mantle's 52 home run season in 56, then Frank Robinson and Lou Gehrig at 49, then Jimmy Fox at 48, and then Yaz and Miguel Cabrera at 44. So obviously, I think we've all heard that, you know, Aaron Judge has hit 60 home runs and is on pace to tie and maybe even beat um, the clean, I guess you want to call it, single season home run record. So he would have the most home runs in a triple crown season. Uh, then you've got strikeouts. This one I thought was pretty funny. Um, so the most strikeouts, we're going to go with the most strikeouts was Mickey Mantle with 99, then Miggy with 98, then Jimmy Fox with 93, so on and so forth. As you can see, the older guys are down at the bottom, right? The older seasons are down at the bottom. Um, in terms of strikeouts, Judge will blow them out of the water if he wins the Triple Crown. He has 159. So he is going to blow them out the most strikeouts and the most home runs by anybody in a triple crown season uh, runs. We have as high as 167 um, and as low as it looks like about 95. Yeah. 95 because uh, Paul Hines would have 110. So 95 there in uh, 
what is that? Heine Zimmerman's 912 season, uh, 1912 season. Uh, in terms of runs, Aaron Judge would have 123. So where would he stack up amongst other Triple Crown winners? He would be right about the middle, right in between. It looks like uh, Ted Williams' 1947 season and Frank Robinson, Frank Robinson in 1966. Uh, RBIs. This one I also thought was, I thought it was all fun. I thought this was really fun because I got to look back in history. Lou Gehrig had 166 RBIs. That's just bananas. Um, Aaron Judge has 128. So he would be actually down towards the middle. Because as you can see here, Lou Gehrig had 166. Jimmy Fox had 163. Joe Medwick with 154. When you've got this live ball going on and they're playing, you know, as Felipe described it in our private conversation, a rabbit ball, it's just, it's bananas. And the other stat that I thought was bananas, stolen bases. Nobody really has any stolen bases. You know, there's only a handful. Ty Cobb in 1909-76 stolen bases. 76. He just ran whenever he wanted, I guess. He, and um Aaron Judge has a respectable total, 16. 16 total. That's a really, you know, a pretty respectable total given A, how big he is, and B, all of his other attributes, offensive attributes. He doesn't really need to steal any bases. And see the fact that stolen bases are dying art right now in the MLB, right? That's kind of what you're looking for in this case. And, you know, power hitters don't steal bases and he stole 16 of them. He stole a good grip of them. And in fact, he would be one, two, three, four, five, six, right behind Roger Hornsby in 1922 and Chuck Klein in 1933. Now it's probably, this is probably what you guys were more looking forward to was the total points. Right. If you put it all together, who had the most points? Who had the most fantasy points here? So let's sort it out. In first place would be Lou Gehrig in his 1934 season, 811 and a half points. That is, I can't, if you haven't played fantasy, I can't tell you how insane of a statistic that is. That is a, just an insane statistic, an insane number of points. You have 811 and a half, 806 for Roger Hornsby in 1922, 747 for Tip O'Neill in 1887. 1887, and, he's, and he would be scoring 747 points. Ted Williams, 1942, 743 and a half, along with Jimmy Fox's 1933 season, 743 and a half points. Just so, just for argument's sake, Paul Hines, he would still be the lowest. He'd be at 559 points if he if you extended it out to an 162-game season. Now, your question is, where does Judge lie? Where would Judge lie? Judge, as of right now, I'm looking at it right now, as of right now, he has 670 and a half points in the fantasy league that I'm in. By far the most, by more than a hundred points this the next biggest the next biggest point total is Paul Goldschmidt at 556 and a half points okay so we're looking at 670 and a half points with as dominant of a season as Aaron judge is having in terms of fantasy it doesn't even crack the top 10 in terms of most dominant fantasy seasons from a triple crown winner he would be 
right in between Frank Robinson in 1966 and Carl Yastrzemski in 1967. So that would make him 17, 16, 15, 14, what, 13th? He wouldn't even be in the top 10. And that's not a knock on Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is having a magical season. But just thinking about all of these, all of these past seasons, all of these guys that all these Hall of Famers that have had such dominant seasons, such dominant um MLB or dominant offensive seasons in the in 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 the past. It is just absolutely bananas, in my opinion. Now, when you break it down here, you're seeing that most of who is having these higher these higher point totals are higher home run totals here, right? So you have Lou Gehrig with 49 homers, right? The second best. You have Roger Hornsby with 42 in 1922. Tip O'Neill had 14. I'll give him that, but he had an uncharacteristically large amount of runs and an, and a low amount of strikeouts. He only had 20 strikeouts and a high amount of triples. He's still having high and a high amount of doubles. He's still having a high other high totals in different higher total um, in different higher pointed um, statistics. Just not home runs. But that made up for it, which is why he's able to get third. But then right underneath here, you have Ted Williams at 36. You have Jimmy Fox at 48. Mickey Mantle at 52, I think what hurts him is the fact that he struck out so many times at with 99 strikeouts, right? If, if it wasn't for that, I think he would be a little bit higher. Uh, you've got, and then down here, you've got Frank Robinson, Carl Yastrzemski, and, and Miguel Cabrera. They all have green in terms of home runs. But look at the rest of it. It's all red or yellow for the most part. So other than home runs, when you compare them to the rest of the Triple Crown seasons, they didn't have really a, a, a high total in anything else, which is why they're down farther down the list. Um, and as you could see, um, Aaron Judge really was kind of all over the place. He was top in some things and down at the bottom in others. So, you know, it 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 kind of explains why he only be 13th. And it, I think it just goes to show you how not all triple crown seasons are created equally. They're all dominant, but I think in this case, and I think we're going to see it here um, next week or the week after when Kevin comes on and we talk about it from a historical perspective and we talk about MVP races and things like that. Not all triple crown rate uh, races were created equally. Some, uh, of these guys won the triple crown and didn't win the MVP and others won the triple crown and didn't win the MVP. And I want, and I'm interested to see if either I or Kevin will say, yeah, they won the triple crown. They won the MVP, but they didn't, they didn't deserve to win the MVP. Right. For example, when you look at Miguel Cabrera's 2012 season, he won the triple crown, but in statistically Mike Trout was worth more. So I'll, I'll I'll leave that up to you for right now. Did Mike Trout deserve to win it or did Miguel Cabrera deserve to win it? So, you know, it'll be interesting to see that. So that's a little preview for you here in the next, uh, for the next week or two here when Kevin comes on. Um, and the next, so going back to fantasy, what I did um, was I talked, uh, so I looked at total points and realized it was really skewed towards home runs and low strikeouts, right? So I decided that I was going to do Roto. Now, I've talked about Roto 
And basically what Roto is, is we look at where you stand in each thing. Um, where he stands on each thing. And we are, and then we rank, and then each point, each rank is uh, given a point total, right? So, and the most points would be the the best in terms of Roto. And that is more of an, in, of an indication of who had a better season fantasy-wise. Because I think you guys saw it in the Total Basis Fantasy League. Somebody like Angel was higher in the Roto standings but wasn't necessarily getting that in terms of record. So I wanted to see if there was a difference between total points and Roto standings. So I'm going to give you a reminder here. You got Lou Gehrig, Roger Hornsby, Tim O'Neill, Ted Williams, and Jimmy Fox all in the top five, right? And then in terms of the Roto standings, when you, when you uh, shift it off, now... Nap Lajoie, 1901, is the most, has, has had the best season in terms of Roto. Tip O'Neill in 1887 has the second most. Lou Gehrig in 1934 has the third most. And then Roger Hornsby takes out fourth and fifth. So Lou Gehrig falls from first to third in the Roto standings. Nap Lajoie, who was in the middle, is now technically having the he leads or is in the top in more statistical categories um tip o'neill again he you know he fell i believe uh, i believe he was in the top five but he's he's higher now right you're seeing some of these higher point total guys like ted williams in 1942 now all of a sudden he's down there right so and now look at this Home runs, 14 for Nap Lajoie, 14 for Tip O'Neill. Lou Gehrig still had 49, but, I mean, look at all the green that he has here. There's a lot of green going on here, the green and yellow. There really isn't much red for Lou Gehrig's 1934 season. Um, and again here, Roger Hornsby. There isn't much red besides this 12 right here. And I see Felipe in the in the, in the comments. He says, uh, he says, geez, only nine strikeouts for Nap Lajoie. I know. It's bananas. So what, what I'm, and it's really interesting here. As you start to look at this, the lower strikeout guys seem to be higher in the total Roto points. Whereas the higher strikeout guys, the Mickey Mantles, the Jimmy Foxes, the Miguel Cabreras and the Frank Robinsons of the world were not, were not as high in the Roto standings. So you could look at it in two different ways. It's all about the points. So obviously Lou Gehrig had the most. So Lou Gehrig gets the uh, Lou Gehrig had the best triple crown season in terms of fantasy. He had the, you know, the best fantasy wise points. But at the same time, you also have a team. Right? Um Aaron Judge, for example, was on Matt Bushnell's team in the in the Mardi Gras league and Matt Bushnell did not have a good season. Although I just said it. Aaron judge has a hundred more points than the next guy, Paul Goldschmidt. So you could look at also total Roto points. Does Roto mean anything more for contributing to a team? 
that's maybe what you could look at in terms of the Roto points. Who contributed more to their team? And you could argue that Nap Lajue, although he did not score as many points as, say, Lou Gehrig or Roger Hornsby, probably would have contributed more to a current fantasy team. We can also argue who had the best value and this and that and the next thing, but then I think you get into, like, draft position and then you have to like guess on where they would be and i'm going to be honest with you i think in terms of where they were at in their career i think all of these guys would have been first round picks or or keepers in in almost every league right so i think it's hard to say in terms of draft position i'm just saying in terms of roto i think nap lajue probably would have had a better impact on the team because he led in so many other categories, whereas somebody like uh, Mickey Mantle or Jimmy Fox, right, didn't necessarily have, um, didn't necessarily have as, uh, didn't necessarily contribute to a team as much. Now, as uh, Felipe is saying in the comments, we're also talking about current, a current fantasy baseball league, a current fantasy baseball category. Right. So, you know, and stolen bases weren't originally a stat. So, you know, you've got Paul Hines, who didn't have any in 1878 because stolen bases weren't a thing in 1878. Right. And historically, stolen bases didn't really start becoming a thing until the beginning of the 1900s. So, you know, you also have that argument, but we're just talking about a current fantasy baseball league who would be better or who would contribute to a team more. And I think at this point, you can argue that it's Nap Lajoie. And then if you're, but if you just have a stacked team and you're just looking for more points, then yeah, you're going to want the Lou Gehrig. Again, like I said, this, all of these, all of these teams or all of these, all of these players had fantastic seasons in their given year. They had fantastic, obviously, if they didn't have a fantastic season, they wouldn't be winning triple crowns. And the other, the, uh, just a side note, the other thing that I thought was funny was Nap Lajoie is winning the Triple Crown with 14 homers. Even funnier, in 1878, Paul Hines is winning the Triple Crown with four homers. <laughs> Whereas somebody like M Miguel Cabrera had to win it with 44 homers. Frank Robinson had to win it with 49. I don't know. I just, I thought that was funny. That, that made me giggle a little bit. Um, so we're coming up on our, on our limit here in terms of time, uh, wanted, wanted to keep it an express show. Um, so that is the fantasy part of, of this triple crown season. I think we're going to have a more interesting discussion or not more interesting, but it is going to be an interesting discussion with Kevin. And we are going to talk about the historical perspective of all of some of these triple crown seasons. And did some of these guys deserve to win the MVP or did some of these guys should some of this, these guys have won the MVP in their respective season? Because not all these guys won the MVP, even though they won the Triple Crown. You can check, you can look forward to that. Uh, we will be live on Baseball Life. You can also check us out 
um, on Spotify. You could check us out on Stitcher. You could check us out on Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, and you know many other places that you watch or listen to your podcasts. Um, you can also check us out. You know, to come and talk to us on uh, at the Baseball Life Group. Um, thank you so much for tuning in again. Um, I enjoy doing this every week. Thank you to those of you that tuned in and watched on Facebook. And, um, yeah, looking forward to next week and talking to, and, uh, or in the next couple of weeks, talking to Kevin about the triple crown season again. Um, and until next time, uh, I hope everybody has a good week, a good day and, uh, yeah, see y'all later.